The Bears snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, falling 28-31 to at home against the Denver Broncos. Nick and I are going to review the game while we try to keep ourselves together after this one on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? Oh my gosh, Unbe- unbelievable, Nick. I, I'm Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog, here with Nick Whalen from Football Guys. And I mean, seriously, Nick, I could barely hold myself together. I don't know whether to laugh. I don't know whether to cry. Justin Fields breaks 300 yards for the first time. He goes three full quarters with one incompletion that you could very easily argue does not count. And right. somehow, the Bears let all of the air out of the balloon in the fourth quarter in a defeat that I swear, Nick, you could see coming from 14 to 28. So how do you feel about this game? Um, so, I mean, I basically I laughed because like I knew the defense was bad, especially, I mean, you could just say the defense is bad, but then when you know all of the secondary guys that are out for a while, I was like, how aren't they throwing at Greg Stroman and Elijah Hicks and whomever? And then I was like, okay, they get all the way down there and cool. We'll kick a field goal. We got this like, you know, or or at least overtime. And then it's just been like the most epic collapse you could do. But I'm going to say this. I'm excited because Justin Fields played really well. So like, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. He balled. I mean, he balled like we're talking throws over the middle. We're talking playing on time. We're talking tight window throws. We're talking long throws, short throws. I mean, there were so many things to like until it all fell apart. And I I'm definitely with you. Like, look, I may be a little harder on Justin Fields going full like Radiohead because I mean, Nick, I got to be honest, man. It is hard for me to not have at least some emotion about like, how do we not close this out? Like we're spotted three scores and we don't close this out. But at the same time, for all we know, maybe they would have closed it out had they kicked on fourth and one. Maybe all kinds of things could have committed some kind of butterfly effect. It feels pretty rich to actually pin anything on the quarterback that manufactured a touchdown on a third and two to Khalil Herbert that most quarterbacks flat, flat can't do. And that's if you don't count the Josh Allen play that he made to Cole Kmet to score one of the first touchdowns of the game. DJ Moore looked like a flat out beast. I thought Darnell Wright had a good game. I mean, even the late hold notwithstanding. Like, look to right. me like Darnell Wright played himself a solid game. We'll have to go back and review. And Fields mm-hmm. looks confident. For the first time in a long time, if if anything, Nick, I, I might be a little worried about the guy just because you play like that and you still lose. Like yeah. that has to be Fields has taken a lot of hits, literal and figurative. That has to be a body shot, if yeah. not bigger than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, if you if you look at the the defense with how it is, this is the kind of game that we expected, like this high scoring you know, it being 28 to seven, it was like, this is weird. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what defensive players transported or teleported basically into Chicago uniforms because right. that's not who you think it is. But like, there's a, so there's a few things I want to chat. I have some stats up. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, so let's look in total today. Chicago had 471 total yards. We talked about this on the last podcast, like the most total yards was week one Green Bay. This one was 471, like not even close. Night and day. Night yeah. and day. Yeah. And and Denver had 311. 
So what? <laughs> dominated, dominated total yards. Time of possession was 33-49, almost 34 minutes dominated. Yards per play, 6.7, which is 0.2 more than Denver. Uh, penalties hurt us. We were 10 for 91, which was like not, you know, because last year we were one of the least penalized teams, and now we're like one of the, the heaviest. Three of 12 on third down, right. which first half we were converting like every third down, and every second half down. was not as much. But so that that's part of it. You talked about some of the the, the players. DJ Moore was eight for one thirty-one and a touchdown that I thought was going to be reversed. I, I definitely um, thought that was going to be reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only nine that. targets though. So you're like, man, like at the end, I know he was getting shadowed by Patrick Sertan Jr., but you know, um, and then Mooney only had four targets. And he beat caught all of them for fifty-one yards. So you're mm-hmm. like, because in the end, there, I I just retweeted this on all right. Not retweeted this. I found the video because I want to know what happened on the Cole Komet interception there, right? right? The last play. So it looks like, and and then I got some interactions from people in terms of after I posted the video, Cole Komet and Fields said they saw a mismatch because I saw Sertan was shadowing more. So to me, that's like, okay, Mooney or or Komet. And in my mind, in my mind, Mooney, quite like speed. Damari Mathis has looked terrible. All that's number 27. For any film heads out there, him mm-hmm. he in all three of Denver's games just looks unplayable, unplayable, Nick. Like and go in, ahead. in the in the in the video, so it says like they saw a mismatch, and you see Komet coming across the middle there, and his head is not turned, and he gets towards the defender, and then he just stops, and then and then squares up to the ball, and then the ball goes another yard further than he thought. So. So it's one of two things. Either that's the design of the play and Fields was off by yard, or it was a sight adjust, right? And and he did something that Fields didn't think he was going to do. So in the interviews they said after the game, Komet said Fields thought he was going to get to the defender and just seal off the defender and throw on this side of him, which if you look at it, that's exactly where the ball is. And Komet sat it down too early and it was thrown right to the defender. So like, you know, that's what people are going to say. Oh, Another blown comeback from Justin Fields. And I'm yep. like, man, like you could say intentional grounding. That was a bad play, but he looked pretty good at the end there. And then he had the the fumble return, which I don't know. Did that I kept trying to get a an angle on this, Robert? Did it did it look like it got tipped out of his hand on the way up, or did it just slip out of his hand? So I don't know. <laughs> I guess I assumed it was tipped. I yeah, I don't know if I want to believe in a world where it just flew out of his hand. Uh, but that to me is the real play worth talking about. Like yep. intentional grounding sucks. It happens. Every quarterback seems like they take one eventually. The interception, like you're talking about, we've been begging Justin Fields to throw with anticipation. In fact, I believe most people on Twitter that have talked about Justin Fields' anticipation would say the phrase out loud, if he throws a pick, so be it, but throw it with anticipation. And he yep. did. That's exactly yep. what happened. The fumble is the real black mark, but there's like 15 gold stickers. Like, I mean, this is to me, you can file this if you want to. I would argue, Nick, the most negative thing that you're allowed to say is, damn, I cannot believe we didn't win. And I wish that my quarterback would have made one more play. But that's really more one of those like reach into the box things. 
You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. on the other side of it, if you score 28 points and your quarterback delivers you like a well above average offensive performance, man, we got to close the door. But yep. between the game itself, because the other argument would be, well, the other your defense only allowed 24 points, including the like late kick. The fumble, right. it can't be a play design. Fu- I mean, I'm, you've coached it. I know I'm going to preach your, like, speak your language here. It can't be anybody else's fault. It's a super tough play. Nobody's saying that that's easy. But it's not his line's fault because the guy's unblocked on purpose. It's not the play design's fault because the guy jumped that play design. And that exact kind of, like, way that somebody comes out of a bootleg is very, very, very common across the league. And I only know that because I swear JTO Sullivan complains about it for every team on any time anybody runs boots. So everybody's got the wrong idea, I guess, on how you manage the top of that. And when you fumble in that setting, Nick, there's nobody else there to get the ball. Like, at least if you fumble in the pocket, maybe Lucas Patrick turns around and dives on the football. But when you fumble back there, it's just just the defenders and you. And so a scoop and score becomes really easy. But that's like it. Like, that's frankly... Me, that's almost reaching into that like dark place where you're mad to be mad. Like to me, if you really want to get frustrated, you have to get frustrated at the entire team. I'll ask you this, Nick, why on earth in a critical fourth and one, critical fourth and one, (laughs) critical fourth and one, did we say, who do I trust most? I trust Larry Borum, Cody Whitehair, and Lucas Patrick. Those guys are going to go get me that yard and a half. What are we doing? (laughs) <laughs> I, so, so, so I definitely in my in my notes like ready for this like I have a section just on this. So, <laughs> so here's here's one thing I want to I'm gonna get to that one. But on the drive, so it's 28 20 or no, I'm sorry, it's 28 21. On that drive, Chicago seven yards, five yards, eight yards, Moving seven it yards. Will it's, baby, it's first and ten at the 48 of Denver, and then it's the fumble recovery. So it's like, man, you could have just ate it too. You could have just been like. Dumb play, and then you're still up seven. You know, to me, so that's, that's, that's the only thing. option. Of course, I'd love for there right. to be an incompletion, but especially if right. he's jumping on you to the point where the ball flies out of your hand like that, there is right. a point where the quarterback just has to go. Well, I'm screwed. Tuck yeah. the ball, maybe well, break the tackle, go full Yannick Ngakwe, but that's it, right? The 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 pro- and that's I think some of the problem when you're that athletic, you you can get away with stuff. You know what I mean? And like you're powerful, but and then and then getting to that drive. The thing that bugged me the most on that one was, okay, it's tied 28. And in my mind, I was like, let's see the resiliency here, right, of this team. First and 10 to start the drive. Hold on Mercedes Lewis on that 16-yard game by Herbert, which was a great effort by Herbert. I thought he had a great game. Herbert was balling, man. Herbert wanted to win so bad. He did. He did. And then it's, uh, let's see, then it's third and five at the 30. Ball start on Larry Borum. (laughs) Third and 10. And I thought this was... Oh, it could have been like the defining play of the day. Like all this adversity, third and 10, Fields is back there. And I looked, guys were bracketed, Mooney and Moore for sure, covered. Fields scrambles for 20 yards. I'm like, Big time. all right, now we're now we're down there. You know, then, then seven yards, then Herbert has the 21-yard gain. And then, hold on, Darnell Wright. <laughs> and, then, and then, anyways, I, I like the reverses to Darnell or to Tyler Scott. I thought those were nice little jet sweeps. Then it gets to the the fourth down call. I, I get the trying to get him to jump off sides. I, I am I am a, a coach that is very for the jump off sides play. But 
<laughs> because I, I went to a game on Friday of a high school game. And there were multiple times I was begging for that. Last year when I did coach, the head coach is like, Nick, that's not going to work. I'm like, just do it once for me. It was like a third and four. And they got the first down and he's like, and I didn't say anything. He's like, all right, you know, whatever, you know, like <laughs> it works because people, they get excited. They want to stop. So I get the first time doing that. The second time, if you think of the personnel, which you're talking about and saying, those are the guys that are going to win. Don't be in shotgun run in a handoff, Ugh. be under center at least. So you could boot out or you could zone read it. What, what I would have loved to do, I, I had two different options that I like better than what we did. And this would be me, whether we got it or not. One is run with Justin Fields. You're plus one. Put, put another tight end in there, not Robert Tunyon. Put like Lewis back there and he's lead blocking and you could counter and, and have Fields run. I mean, that's the whole, that's what Josh Allen and Buffalo would do. Right. You're plus one. You have a good running quarterback. Do that. Or have a read option rollout where, where the design is for fields to run. If not, he could dump it to somebody like give yourself a chance, like use your best guys and a shotgun run up the middle was like probably one of the dumbest ones I could think of besides maybe trying to do a a jet sweep again. It's to me, it's relatively unconscionable. I mean, honestly, Nick, I'm just amazed at the way that the bears seemingly frittered away whatever advantages that they had because like you're talking about the team was moving the rock up and down the field khalil herbert i'm still amazed number 32 for denver whoever that is was able to hit herbert so hard on that second and five run that he stopped his momentum altogether because khalil herbert's not an easy man to stop and Mm -hmm. so whoever that guy was set up a monster play on that fourth and one that did not work uh and It's a bummer seeing all that. I do think in moments like this, Nick, so both of us have now criticized the play design. And now I also want to throw my hands in the air and be like, sometimes criticizing play design and play calling can feel kind of cheap because the Bears also attempted a flea flicker and those things routinely ended disaster. And they nailed a completion. There was a huge play to Equinemius St. Brown on that play. Like, we never talk about the crazy, kooky, weird thing that works, right? We talk about the crazy, kooky, weird decision that definitely did not work. And I'm with you. Like, I, it leaves me grasping at air. I don't know how, in a tie game, you seriously call cover two and let Marvin Mims get that wide open for the whole shot. I, I have so many frustrations with the defense. Like, what was it? Um, it was 14 to 28, I believe. Like, must hold drive, if you ask me. Because this would have made it 14 points unanswered. And if you're a big believer in momentum, like I know a lot of coaches are, then you would have gotten a lot sweatier only up one score. And that pressure just leads to weird mistakes, like the fumble that we ended up seeing. And not mm-hmm. one third down law or not one completed long third down that was converted nick not two but three past the 50 how how did it take the broncos that long to realize well why don't we just throw like i mean and and throw deep because they were short initially but then it's (laughs) like there was that one to judy early was the corner route and elijah hicks is like 10 yards off i'm like Who else do you have to cover, buddy? Like, start driving on that, you know? You know, you know, the one thing that I thought of too, and I'm curious if you would, if you would do this, if it's fourth and one, and I I know I need to 
and I'm going to give it to a running back here, which I wouldn't personally. If you're going to do that, get Kari Blast a game in the game, right? And then you're going to eye formation this, whatever. I would have whisked out and kicked it. I'm going to be so honest with you. Well, well, yeah, yeah, that's the other, obviously. But if you were, if you're going to go for it and you're going to give it to a running back, do you give it to your 223 pound rookie Roshan Johnson, or do you give it to your like 209 pound Khalil Herbert? Roshan, I mean, at least. I understand leading, leaving Herbert in there, but especially on fourth and one, I mean, it, it's got to have a read option tag. There's no reason I'm not mm-hmm. going to allow Justin Fields to be a part of the play, in my opinion. But totally seriously, Nick, I consider myself a relatively aggressive coach. There are a bunch of situations where I want to go for it and coaches disagree with me. Nah, man, we we just gave up 21 points unanswered. I'm kicking it. I'm going to the kickoff. I'm letting everybody go through whatever their standard cycle is so that I can say to the defense, hey, we've got the lead, but we do need you to hold them out of the end zone here. And if that would have meant overtime, it would have meant overtime and I would have lived with it. But for me, especially if I'm Chicago, I would have been, and I was Matt Eberflus, I would have been so frustrated at the way Luke Getze has botched these fourth and one and a halves that I would have had no faith in the Bears offense to convert. And lo and behold, they didn't. And it sucks to me when I, the fanalist, am sitting there lacking faith and rewarded for my lacking faith. I, I guess that's the wrong, that's a double negative. More like, I hate it when I'm right about how yeah. like the Bears can't convert these short yardage things and then they can't do it against the Broncos, Nick. The Broncos, for crying out loud. It's not going to get any easier than this, but... No, it, no, it, it won't get any And the thing is, is they were dialing those up early. You know, like... Right. And, and here's the other thing, too. <sighs> Be consistent. If you're going to go for it, fourth and one, when you could kick the field goal to be up in the game late in the fourth quarter... What happened to that fourth and one or fourth and two, if you want to call it, to start the game? Exactly. And I mean, that's not going to cost you the game there. Can't say it enough. I probably would have lost. Like this Bears team, the way that the stadium was turning, like had I kicked there, I'm not saying that would have worked, Nick. (laughs) Like he could, he could have missed two. Could have, could have probably would have lost 34 to 31. Just being so real with you. But I could live with it. If yeah. you kick the field goal, I could live with it. Because what you're doing is you're trying to be like too cute. Where you're like, and I get it. If we get the first down there, then we can run the clock out. And then if you go, I get it. But is the risk worth the reward? I mean, the moment you didn't get it, you lost. Oh, you knew. <laughs> In a game you like knew. This. The only thing that I feel like either team, and granted, this is not how it worked out because I would have expected more field goals to be completely honest with you. But the only thing that I would have expected each defensive coordinator around the fourth quarter to really think that they could do was limit the opposing team to not a touchdown, right? Because each offense was just walking up and down the field. Now, obviously, that's not how the things ended. But boy, did it feel like that at some point. Also, another thing that did not make me happy just talking it out with you. Like, as much as anything else, Nick, this is a therapy session for the both of us, right? Where we <laughs> help each other oh, yeah. talk through it all. Fields was hitting, like, quick outs throughout most of the game. Fields was getting the ball out of his hand. And then as we got into the fourth quarter and the pressure did start to cook up, we saw the scramble. The scramble is awesome. We saw a little bit a little bit more hanging onto the ball that I swear got longer and longer as every drive. I'll go back and literally clock it. So I may re I may recant this take immediately. First things first on our, what is it? Tuesday night recording for this week. Cause it's a short week against commanders. Like, yeah. Yep. So I may immediately get on with you and be like, Nope, 
was totally wrong. Fields played like he played the entire game, but it felt as if the entire offense felt all of the negative emotion that the entire stadium was just cooking up through or as the Broncos slowly called their way back. And I mean, that last drive, I know a lot of Chicago was really, really, really there with him, but man, that looked hard. That looked really, really hard for everybody on that offense. I don't even know if I have a greater point in this. Just that like, it is wild watching a team on this kind of losing skid because it makes the fourth quarter look unplayable, like unplayably difficult. Yeah. The, the the other thing, sorry, I was I was I was listening to you, but I was I was counting here because no, I get you. I I thought this okay when they went up twenty eight to seven, and then Denver answered twenty eight to fourteen. So this is be a, a quiz for you. They they went three and out the next drive. They had the fumble touchdown. They had the the fourth and one that we counted. Okay, three drives there. There is sixteen, nineteen total plays there. How many do you think are a pass play? If I had to guess, and are you counting the scramble as a pass play? Just so that I know. Okay. No. So even though it's called pass. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. I'm, I'm going to guess four. Four pass plays. Five, five where he actually threw. And one was uh, um, a first down in five yards because Sertan hold, held more. Remember on that one? Right. So like, does that one count? So, I mean, you know, you could count the scramble. So really there's what, five, you know, total. How? Run plays. How you, 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 you were cooking. That was what was working. I get, you want the clock to keep going, et cetera, but that's literally conservative play calling. And, and in my opinion, you could talk about the field. You could talk about whatever else. That's what cost you the game. Cause you, you took the foot off the gas. You're like, you know what? We're going to feed Herbert. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and you didn't convert. I mean, it was three and out. It was again, you're moving the ball, but still fumble for a touchdown because apparently they, we're ready for that play, the, the mm-hmm. boot when it was coming. And then on downs, I mean, you you had 11 plays for 57 yards when you averaged 6.7 for the whole game. So that doesn't equate either. So, I mean, I would have been more aggressive still. Would you have? Like, because you've actually coached these games. Like, Yeah, I would. Dude, well, did, because, when... because what, was, what was working in this game? Early in the game, it wasn't running the I ball. I mean, it was always throwing the ball. Like, seriously. It, the the Vertical. The Broncos, I'm going to get this aggressive. I do not feel as if there needs to be any kudos given to Vance Joseph or this Broncos defensive unit. I mean, if you wanted to make a move after the Denver game or after the Miami game, but then Denver's staff said, no, 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 we can't move on from Vance. Let's just see how things are in Chicago. That was all the proof you need, win or loss. I don't really care. Like giving up 28 to this Bears offense in that first in the first three quarters is not it, man. Like, Justin Fields can't set a Bears completion record on you in this one. Like, Justin Fields can't throw for his first 300 game ever in this one. And I mean, boy, oh boy, did the Broncos make things awfully comfy for Chicago's young starter. Like, DJ Moore was nearly unguardable, in my opinion. I mean, Darnell Mooney was open left and right. That late third down that set up, I believe, the fourth touchdown where it was third and six and Mooney's like a full step and a half open on the crosser that Fields hits him on. I can't believe he was that open, Nick. I still can't. Like the entire game, they've been running crossers on you and you get them again (laughs) that close to the end zone. And that was, I think that was mesh, right? I think it was. And then they hit Mooney on another one. I'm like, look at this. They're these... 
he's working his way through progressions. Like you could see it. And he's like, his eyes were good. It's like, this is everything that we wanted. And then let's just run the ball. Let's just run the ball. And I mean, we see it every week in the NFL. I feel like Sean McVay and the Rams just seemed like they fell victim to this a little bit. I mean, cursory red zone style watch, but it uh, looked as if they got up 23 to what was it? Eight. And then yep. just started running the ball that little bit more. And I mean, man, Nick, I'm sure you've seen this when you as an offensive coordinator have a game plan and then you artificially inject a few more runs, it'll completely shoot the game plan in the foot. Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden your down management's completely off, right? You thought you'd be in second and five, but you aren't. Yeah. You're in second and eight. And so the pass play that you're going to call, that you were going to sequence with that, doesn't make any sense anymore. So instead, you shift to a separate passing play, which doesn't work because it's out of sequence. Now it's yep. third and eight, and somebody false starts. It's third and 13, and you're already thinking about your punt. Like, and, well, and, and, and then you know that's check down or screen. like like Because the whole game is a chess match. And and. When you when teams know you're probably going to run the ball, you're going to have more in the box. That's the biggest part of this game that people don't get. It's how many are in the box or are going to quickly not guard your flat defender and come up versus how many are going to be there in coverage because you just play the numbers game. Honestly, almost no matter what, you should play the numbers game because if I can throw, even if it's a flat route and I got two receivers for their two DBs, that's good odds to me versus handing the ball off into the middle of everyone and hoping every block goes well. Seriously. He hits it right and we get eight yards. Like you're yeah, you're gonna get 40 more seconds off the clock, but you're also gonna punt and give them the ball back eventually. Like yep. use the numbers advantage. You're DJ Moore and Mooney and everyone, they're better than their DBs. Why would you not want to do that? I mean, it, again, this is, again, shooting, having Shaq shoot threes in the corner. That's what that is. And it really bothers me, too, because while I expect more from the defense every time I see a performance like this, the defense held them to seven until the late, 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 late stages of the game. Yes. I mean, I know this is so harsh, Nick, and I don't love being harsh either, but in a game where both offenses are cutting through the opposing defense like butter, going four drives where you score a touchdown for the other team, and that is all of the production that you that you produce, that's tough. Like, that's, as an offense, I would assume we want better. And yes, of course, you failed on fourth down within field goal conversion, but you made the decision not to kick, and you didn't back up that decision. It's, I'm more pinning this on the coaching staff, at least I hope it sounds that way, because it is beyond me how bad this defense is, but I'm just not surprised about it anymore, right? I was surprised when the Bears were able to pick up a couple third down stops early in the game, but then it felt all too familiar as the Broncos basically got whatever they wanted until they went into their own conservative shell. I mean, kudos to Will Lutz, man. Like, walking into yep. Chicago, hitting a 51-yard field goal in the middle mm -hmm. of a furious comeback like that because your team decided that shacking up on the 31 was totally cool? Wow. <laughs> like, which, which, honestly, by the way, on the field goal, I thought Dylan Cole, Quay Walkered it, right? Like, jumped yes. over, and I'm like, oh, no. But if you go back and look, he jumped over the guard, which is legal. Well, also, I think, now, granted, this may not be true, so go fact check me. I could have sworn I heard once that if you don't make any contact with the linemen, it is legal. You just can't touch them. 
And with oh, Quay, I, I thought you can't jump over the 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 snapper. I thought that's what it was. That maybe it it could be one of the two of them because okay. he totally jumped over somebody yeah. no and, I, and he did it clean. And yeah. I thought that they made a rule that basically you can't touch somebody. But maybe if you jump over the guard, that's kosher. Because hmm. I mean, Cole was obviously watching on Thursday night. There's no way he right. wasn't. Whatever yeah. he was doing, he was trying to make some kind of a play. And I'm just amazed that Lutz was able to bury it within yeah, that no, capacity. Right, yeah. Yeah, no kudos there because because it took that one t- turn. I was like, oh baby, it was here not we go. down the middle. Like- no, no, no. But but I thought with the Bears' luck, it would he'd miss and then it'd be a flag on Cole and be like, here we go, first down. That would have been know, terrible. That would have been so, so terrible. So speaking of another penalty, I'm curious what your thoughts were because I thought this was not a penalty. I mean, I'm not even going to argue the the, um, the what is it the roughness call? Yes. <laughs> Yes. No. He hit him in the shoulder. But I also don't think DJ Moore scored that first touchdown. So I saw that as what goes around comes around. But I I think that was a first and 10 call. I think we still would have scored that drive. I I think so. I mean, at the time I would have told you, come on, are you sure? But they went on to bury four touchdowns. So obviously they were rolling at that point. And speaking of, I mean, for as much as so to me, to me, bad offenses have the worst small sample size problem, Nick, because this game was a reminder of everything I've ever seen about DJ Moore on his tape. Not only was he separating like crazy, man, that guy can catch. Like some of the catches that he made, including the one that we're talking about, no, I don't think he got his foot down, but he did dang it, dang dang well, everything within physics to do so, and apparently convinced at least two officials that it was good enough to count for a score. I mean, it was close. It was right? darn close. <laughs> I mean, initially, I saw him like that's going to get reversed. Like I, I was like, oh, I thought for sure. And, but but again, but yeah. still with the roughing call, I get that he's going upward, but he hits him in the shoulder. That call just keeps getting called this year. Like all I can tell you is that after Tyreek got it, I was really really mad. And then I saw a Rams player get that flag later. And then as I was watching highlights, I saw a commander's player get that flag earlier in the day. Like, no, 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 nope, nope. Different call. You're, so, so you're seeing leading with the helmet. I'm talking about the one on the sidelines where they went shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. No, th- that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm Are talking you... about the one with on Russell Wilson, where oh. he's throwing and Wilson's like this and he hits him in his arm slash shoulder. He doesn't hit him in the head at all. No, I thought, I guess I assumed he hit him in the head. No, I looked. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I looked. And so, like, he was upward trajectory, like, or launching towards the head. I mean, if you, if you, like, fake punch at somebody but don't connect, is it still illegal? You know I what know. I mean? Like, that's it what might I felt be. like. They might call it unsportsmanlike if you did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Thought. No kidding. <laughs> but I was like, he didn't even hit him in the head. It's almost or- like they gave him a rough and call off vibes. <laughs> that's, I think that's what it was. But they, they know how hard Brisker can hit. So so what I was looking at is in the second half, the, the Denver made adjustments. And so that was what jump-started the first touchdown drive to, to answer mm-hmm. and get 28 to 14. So that was a big play. Man, J- Julian McGlowan or McLaughlin, whatever, like, man, he is he can squeeze into spaces. But they had explosives. So over 10 yards, he had a 31-yard play. Mm-hmm. P. Ryan had 11-yard reception. That back again had another 11-yard reception. So that was one touchdown drive. And then the next one, they had a 12-yard run by him, 25-yard 
reception by Judy. We talked about that one. 11-yard reception to uh, Humphrey and the touchdown to, to Sutton, which was good timing. But also, why is Brisker four or five yards deep in the end zone, which I thought was weird? I don't know. You don't, you don't guard that deep. And then there was the deep reception to Mims. So there's eight plays over 10 yards they had completed or, or gained. It could be rushed to in the second half. That's really bad. They, That's eight explosives. They just started balling. I mean, they just started rattling off a bunch of explosive plays. And the worst part to me, seriously, was gaining explosives because the Bears <laughs> seen it all season. <laughs> you can't yeah. hurt me anymore. Yeah. I'm not surprised. But it's these long third downs where when a, the offense even, the, the Broncos offense seemed to recognize, well, what? A, why aren't we just going at them? Well, we think these guys are going to stop us. And Terrell Smith made a nice play on what ended up being the field goal drive, taking one yeah. away. And that's pretty much like just the one. Because outside of that, Russ was patiently taking his third down screen option or third down check down. And the Bears were getting stops almost off of a, a veteran quarterback playing it, quote unquote, like you're supposed to, instead of just throwing and letting your receiver go make the play. And I just can't help but feel disappointed because I understand. It's a secondary of nearly nobody at this point. Yeah. Like it's it's incredibly makeshift. This is too plenty like in very many understandable ways. This is what we should have expected. But mm -hmm. still, man, still, I don't know how you blow a lead like this and not get mad at somebody. Right. <laughs> like I'm not even trying to be Mr. Angry or Mr. Overly Passionate. It's more like you could be excited about the CW that we will not. I hope we don't talk about this until worst case scenario, the 45th minute of this podcast. We can go another 10 minutes without going there. But this is like borderline somebody has to get fired. Like, yeah, you were already 0-3. We said this. I still mean it, despite how, oh my gosh, Nick, they put this take in a boiler and made me have to come back with it at, at just the worst time where I said, for Justin Fields, yes, of course he has to play well, but you have to win the game. And yep. I can't believe they didn't win the game. I, I don't know. think it's Fields' fault that they no. didn't win the game. No. This is I mean, team losses made, you'll see, man. <laughs> he, made, he made like three mistakes the whole game. Three. One of them's just worth seven points, and the other right. one ended the final drive. Like, yep. they were... Oh my gosh, man! You, oh you know, my gosh. You, you know what else was awesome, and we talked about this. I was, I was so proud of him for. I think it was the fourth, no, the third touchdown. He's rolling out. He could run it in, buys time, and then throws, which everyone's going to yes. flow with. You almost like this yes. is what we want you to do because it opened. And actually, you could say the fourth touchdown is the same thing. Him buying time, and then there's Herbert. So, oh yeah. I That's mean, a whole other realm of his game that could be huge. Here's the pull quote, right, Nick? That was the offense we spent the offseason telling people was on its way. Yeah. Like, dual threat attack, but not directly dual threat, just a multiple run game, meaning zone, gap, toss, getting a whole lot of different run actions rolling. Maybe a little bit of QB designed run, but today was kind of a referendum on the QB designed run. I, for one, am happy with that. Uh, just because why give away free hits? Different conversation. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, why aren't they running him more? Four, he had, one was a scramble. He had what three carries? He had two three carries. carries. One of them was that awful draw 
that if they yeah. listed it as a sack, I wouldn't be surprised. One right. of them was that quarterback designed run where somebody blows a block immediately. And then he had his scramble. And I think that's his three total carries. Because yeah. on that fourth touchdown, he manipulates the end man on the line of scrimmage and just puts him in a blender. Like Kyler Murray's him, where the guy just ends mm-hmm. up standing still and lets Fields do whatever he wants to back there. That was sick. That was sick, mm-hmm. Nick. Very, and then the yeah. Josh Allen dump off touchdown to Cole Komet. I mean, I even like the wide open streak to Cole Komet. How do you not? Or the DJ Moore sweet touchdown down the sidelines. There were a lot of baller throws in this game. One of yep. my favorites was when Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore are running a play that I still don't really get why it's run at the NFL level. It seems far too simple to me where you have DJ Moore on the outside and he just outside releases up the sidelines and then Darnell Mooney runs an out route. And if the corner sits in the flat, you just throw it over the top. I cannot believe this actually got somebody open, but Denver's defense will do that. And Well, that's that cover two space. That's that hole. It and is, but like, man, is that not obvious? Like, you're really going to let DJ Moore run right by I you know. without a well, safety. And Sertan drove on that flat route so hard, too. It made it bigger. I was like, wow. Okay. So much. So much. And yeah. I mean, DJ Moore, I will, I will never, ever get tired, Nick. No matter who's throwing the ball, I'll never get tired of watching DJ Moore snare something like he did on that first catch of the game and suddenly go into run after catch mode and make you believe in straight up miracles. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. yeah, no, is- he's he, he's a good and again, that that transition, because it's not about how athletic you are. It's about how quickly you make decisions. And he quickly makes that decision from receiver to runner and and accelerates. And it just makes it makes a big difference. Like he's he's not. He's not a 4-3 guy, no. but on the field, he's fast, which I'd rather have that. And Tyler Scott's, what, reverses were fun. I bet you the offensive line plays well. Helps when you go up against, like, the Charmin Bears on the defensive line. Well, and uh, Nate Davis is back. And Nate Davis is back. He probably looked solid. It's always tough for me to tell about how the right. offensive line looked because I'm staring right. at the ball like any normal right. person. <laughs> Well, so let's talk about that real quick. Yes. Offensive line plus tight ends plus blasting game. He was still sacked four times. And of those, how many of those are you going to put on Justin Fields? I don't, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think the sacks were a problem today. Like the main thing, I, it's almost like I have a, um, like a brain clock. God, that is just terrible. I, I almost want to be doing that. Like I, I've got this just my eye. I guess like I just, I test all the sacks that I look at and there's a point where I feel like, okay, we've held the ball on the ball too long. We got to move. And yeah. I didn't think we got there on most of this today. In fact, fields played so on time that for the first three quarters, you didn't notice any issues on offensive line, even though they were there. Like well, there was pressure. How, the one, the one time uh, Borum didn't even pick up the guy off the edge. He came inside to help on, I think the, the D tackle or the right? end who went to the B gap. It's like, what are you doing? And then there was the, the one off the edge, I think, blasting game, he just went right by him. There's one like where barely... Cody Whitehair, I think it was, got smoked up the middle, and Justin Fields got hammered as he released a ball to Cole Kmet, uh yep. late in the game. Like There were plenty of moments where we looked like mm-hmm. a more than serviceable pocket passer, and we were helping out our offensive line. What did you think about the offensive line? Because you sound like you got a stronger take than I do. Well, I I, th- I, I thought that they didn't play great. That's the thing is like, you know, the line that we talked about this Denver had the least amount of pressure in the NFL, which is shocking compared to Chicago. And they still messed up. And it's not even just like I got beat. Like they just like messed up. Who's going to get this guy multiple times. And I know because it's somewhat makeshift, even if you have Nate Davis back, 
um, which gives me a little hope with maybe Tevin Jenkins is back next week because this is the IR, right? He can come back. And I saw reports of him working out already. I know it's a short week, but if he comes back, he put Cody back at center. I feel so much better because we all know who I think should not be on the field <laughs> ever. And then you look at that fourth down call and I just see him diving at a linebacker yep. and they got penetration. Get him off the field, please. It's it's so tough for Lucas Patrick. That's the nice way of putting it. Like it's, it's bad tape and it does not help that Sam Mustafer went to the, he went to the Ravens organization and became a different man. Like, I don't know what, they have going on in Baltimore. It's probably good coaching, but it, it wasn't this way in Chicago, which is just wild to think about. But man, okay, here's a question. We are at the 40 minute mark. Let's move on to next steps because the game happened, right? And we're going to know a lot more once we get the all 22. You're <laughs> 0 and 4. What now? Like, hopefully you get Tevin back for Washington, but what now, Nick? I, Let's do one th- Katie, one thing before this. Yes. Chase Claypool. We've talked about it. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about it. Okay. I think they have to make somebody the scapegoat. So Chase Claypool was the first one. It's not, we're not gonna fire Luke Getzi. We're not gonna fire this person. We're just gonna inactivate him because that guy is the problem. And honestly, has he played great? No. no. You look at PFF grades, he's slightly below Darnell Mooney. He's better than Bayless Jones. Like you could talk about attitude, which we don't know. He played a lot better after week one. He hasn't played amazing, but he's played a lot better. And what did he really say? Hey, Robert, do you think the bears are playing using their players in the best way possible? All right. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> let me clear my <clears throat> throat and get this, uh, get nice and warmed up. No. And that's all. Justin Fields. Justin Fields says it. Oh, Oh, right. You know, well, he's probably right. Claypool says it. Bench that guy. Get the rid bench. of him. He's a boss. Terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And like, you know what? Up 20, up 28 to seven. Yeah. Claypool must've just been like spearing everybody like with a knife <laughs> right. uh, because, oh my gosh, team rules. <laughs> like it's, it's all Claypool's fault. I mean, I'll still tell you that based on the Justin Fields that we know and love Nick, it makes a lot more sense that ESB out there would draw coverage without fields really needing to look at him, right? So if it helps increase the diversity of your running game, because Claypool is going to give you, like, if I was going to be as kind as possible to Claypool, a motivated Chase Claypool is a plus, maybe even a double plus passing asset, but he's still a minus run asset, right? Like you're not putting Chase Claypool on the lead blocker in your formation feeling great about it. Maybe he could crack somebody because when he does hit his block for you, he hits it really hard. But man, Nick, his whiff rate is insane. And is. you need somebody to at least lose with dignity on but, some of those runs. But but tell me this, okay? So look at the court, the the, the group, okay? Moore and Mooney untouched, sure. right? I think Tyler Scott-ish too, but you have Tyler Scott, Bayless Jones, and Trent Taylor all doing basically the same thing. Oh, Return- you don't have to argue with me. Because I would have probably found somebody else to make an active and just yep. had all of them be active and played Claypool a solid never. Because to me, the moment you list him as inactive, now it's a story. Now yep. you've got Ian Rappaport leaking that 
he's going to be inactive. And also Tyson Bajan is the QB too. And I can guarantee you that nobody didn't tell him both of those names, right? Oh, yeah. It's not like Ian Rappaport looked at the like inactives list and went, hey, Tyson Bajan's the QB too. No, somebody just told him, rap, tweet this out. And yep. he did. Yep. And, and I'm with, I think, what you're driving at, where it's like EQ being in apparently meant that the run game got a lot healthier. The calls got a lot better, which is a dangerous thing to say on a post-game podcast because I know that everybody always wants to criticize play calling when stuff doesn't work. But like, well, but but second half got conservative, right? So we can still go there. But at least they were running the ball like well for the most part. They just right. did what normal offenses do. This to me, Nick, needs to be discussed a little more often. Holding calls are inevitable. There is no heavy rushing attack that won't eventually hold. Oh. It's how it goes. I, I saw more holds that weren't called. So. Yes, yeah. because the Bears aren't even that great a team. But right. for well, the, we'll get better with Tevin out there. He's a very good run blocker. Sure hope so. Sure hope so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the fact that the Bears were able to get so multiple with their run game was huge. I mean, it's a large part of the reason that the Bears, you can tell an offense is humming when you actually pull off a wide receiver reverse and you don't immediately lose yards on it. Right. Yeah. No, he was good. He bubbled. He bubbled back. He did it well. But here's the thing that I'm getting at with Claypool. Okay. Get there. Because he he is a top four receiver on this team. That, I don't think that's debatable. No. When that last drive, would you have Chase Claypool out there? Or would you have Equinemius St. Brown out there? I mean, I guess it depends. Like if you, I'm just, I'm more just saying, if you're a coach yeah. and you have a huge problem with Chase Claypool, then yeah, no, you might not want Chase. I would like, but I would. I would hope that we have an organization that can keep Chase Claypool bought in. Organizations right. all across the league have characters to deal with. You telling me, you're telling me, Nick, let's make a direct one-to-one comparison, okay? The Buffalo Bills today, they handled business against a very good Miami Dolphins team. Would you agree? Would yeah. you agree? Oh, yeah. That was, that was a game. I was like, dude, they had a game plan. I'm excited to look at that film. Can't wait. In terms of the diva scale, who is a bigger diva? Stefan Diggs. Or Chase Claypool. <laughs> Not even close, Stephon Diggs. It's Stephon Diggs. And I mean, to be yep. fair, the guy's got more talent to match. Yep. Who, who is playing, who is still running his for the love of the game routes? Who is still blocking when he needs to? Who is still doing all the little things that a freaking defensive head coach needs his diva superstar receiver to do to make sure that the offense can score 41 against a very good Miami team? Uh-huh. Stefan yep. Diggs is. Stephon Diggs. When you, I don't think that it needs to be some exclusive mark on Chase Claypool's reputation that the Bears can't get him in line because there's a lot of coaches all across the league that have to deal with characters on DB, on linebacker, on wide receiver. And when you lose, when you are unable to get through to them and suddenly Tevin Jenkins isn't showing up to practice, let's not forget. And you're unable to get through to them, and suddenly Chase Claypool doesn't want to come to the game. I gotta ask Nick, what does it say about our leadership? Like, yeah, well, I'll tell you this much. So, so me as a coach, I think that um, head coaches have put players in my position group or had me coach them because they know that I can deal with that type of player more often than other coaches, and that means it's coaching. Like that's all that like you have to get a relationship with the guy. And again, like, what does he want? He probably wants more targets his way. He wants to, he, I mean, he wants to be successful. 
right? Like everyone wants to be successful. So you just have to make it work that way and get them to buy in, which means it is coaching. And it's, he's had 800 yards, two different seasons, 860 plus yards, two different seasons. And you're telling me that he can't even be active in a game when you need the win. I mean, that is, again, we talked about scapegoating, but okay. For time purposes. Yes. Do you want to go to the CW talk now? No, no. Well, okay. Hang on. Hang on. Before we get yeah. to Caleb Williams, let's let's back up, okay? Because I wanted to – we can bleed there, right? But like, okay, so let's just start at 0-4, right? We already tried blaming Chase Claypool. And you know, just like I do, Nick, Chase Claypool's on his Twitter burner account talking smack about the Bears coaches right now and laughing his butt off. There's nobody – that thinks that's funnier. And the worst part is he's going to let people know tomorrow oh, on yeah. Monday. Like, yeah. I mean, he's going to show up if he doesn't text people outright to be like, that is hilarious. You guys are hilarious. This is the kind of game, if I'm reading this correctly, you tell me that can take a locker room in a rough shape and make it a toxic locker room. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, easily, <laughs> easily. And that's, and again, that's, you you can't just say, well, this week we need to focus more. Like like <laughs> like like, like that, that stuff just doesn't work because no one believes it at this point. You've lost how many games in a row now, and your and your your message isn't hitting home. But it's Thursday night game this week, so I don't know that you can make a change in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before the game. No right? way, right? And yeah. you almost got the fourth quarter off, and then you didn't. And so your bodies were almost way more rested than a Washington team that also was in a bare knuckle brawl today against the Philadelphia Eagles. But instead, nah, they're going to come hungry because I'm pretty sure they lost, right? The Eagles? Fact check me on that. The the commanders lost, right? Oh, uh, let me check. Yeah, I think so. I Here, think they did. And yeah, so, yeah, 34, 31. Yep. Really tight game as I understand it. So the commanders are going to come back home. Overtime. Come back home. What'd you say? Overtime. Overtime, man. Even more so. Like, they're going to come back home, and they're going to want to get right, just like every other team playing Chicago for an awfully long time. I don't, I'll ask you this. What would you do? Is this the week to fire Getsy? Or do you say, it's Thursday? I can't. But if we're 0-5 after this, I'm thinking about it. Like... <laughs> We've already started with Chase with the Chase Claypool scapegoat, right? Yeah, We're already yep. beginning to scapegoat, which is a problem. Most teams yep. don't scapegoat this fast. Yes. Like, so we're already flagging. We lost again. We lost in a really embarrassing fashion. I believe, if memory serves, the longest losing streak in Bears history is still active with this loss. What do you, Nick Whalen, change? I, I don't think you can change anything because of the short week. There you go. I mean, I, I kind of don't think you can either. And the problem is, is that now I think the situation just gets that much more toxic because, again, a game that should have been the trophy case game for Justin Fields should have been his, like, if he, if he doesn't already have a game ball, he should this would have been, like, that game ball game that could have, not even playing around, literally turned his career around. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this is one of those momentum games where people could have looked back and gone, that's it. But instead, so, what? So, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Instead, I wouldn't be surprised if Fields takes from this that in this uniform, it's never going to be enough. Like, 
if I, I mean, Fields is a competitor. Fields is a professional athlete. I am a guy sitting in a chair talking into a microphone, like multiple states away. So I will not pretend to know Justin Fields, but I just would be shocked, Nick, after all the stuff he's been through in this organization, if this might not be his personal end of the road. Like, not with football, not with football, but there's a point where every quarterback goes, I don't want to play for this organization anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, well, you, you think he's done, done? No, like, not that he's going to quit on the team. Oh, man, I'm not explaining this well. Just that, like, I don't know how many times Fields can scrape himself off the pavement, get back up and say, no, 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 this next one's the good one. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but I also think that I, I think he can. He he can. can. He can. I don't know. I don't know that Eberflus can. I don't know that Eberflus can. And I'm just like, gonna say, keep, like keeping the team together. Well, I, but go ahead. I was just gonna say that we haven't talked about Ryan Poles yet, right? <laughs> Your team's zero and four, Nick. Since 1992 or since 1990, would you like to guess how many teams have been zero and four and then made the playoffs? Oh, two, one. Good guess. <laughs> uh, and so. Especially if you go 0-5, which I don't need to look this up. But there's no way because the 1992 Chargers finished 11-5. and So I, I would be blown away if they went 0-5 oh. and, and then won the, the next 11 of their games. You got to start thinking about fire sale. Like, you have to start thinking about it. And if I'm Atlanta, I'm giving the Bears a phone call. And this is the kind of game that might have driven Fields' price up to the point where Foles, or where Poles would think about it. Not saying that he should, not saying that he will. I am literally talking out of my butt, Nick, just talking out loud. But if I'm, if I'm what, Arthur Smith, on that plane ride home from London, watching these games, watching Justin Fields roll left, roll right, and throw strikes from the pocket after my quarterback blew that game in London. And the Jets, tonight, if I'm... Watching this game, like the tape of this game, Fields rolls left, rolls right, r- scrambles. I'm thinking, that kid is so much better than what I've got. And I I don't know what's going to happen. Well, 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 one, that's a good thing, right? That he's proven he's not, you know, busting guy. fields. Yeah. He can't throw the ball. Like, he just proved that. And, and he has. And we've known that. He's had a rough stretch. And... I had this. I had this. Uh, this tweet, by the way, I thought this was pretty interesting. Rookie year, weeks two and three, he struggled against Cleveland. Remember the nine sack yes. game? Yes. And then got better. Last year, weeks two and three, we know like Houston and like really started terrible. off bad, then better. This year, week four, better. So like maybe he does get better. But would you trade him? I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd probably listen to the offers, man. Right now, to hint at what, or to go full into what we were talking about earlier, if the if the season ended today and I have pick number one and two, yeah, I'm picking a quarterback, and eventually Caleb Williams would be playing or Drake May, yep. whatever. Like I'm not gonna hitch my wagon to players that I haven't studied. Studied. It's probably Caleb. I imagine it's Caleb, but yeah. you get it. And so. If the Bears don't win their way out of... Oh, and because Bryce Young up and gave the game away to the Minnesota Vikings, which I am a big fan of, by the way. It is not often that you throw two 
back-breaking red zone interceptions, one of which gets returned for a 99 touchdown or 99-yard touchdown and lose the game or and win the game. Like it's not often you throw those interceptions and you somehow win the game, but Bryce yep. Young sure helped with that critical sack fumble <laughs> that just turned into a scoop and score. The Vikings were able to ride out. So the Bears are a comfortable pole position for both one and two. Like right. these this is a great week if you're into tanking all the way to the bottom. And Nick, I just I don't know where that puts me. Because to me, what I'll say, I, I bet you I already said this on the pod, but I'll say it again. I'm so out on Flus that I cannot imagine not firing Flus. And the moment yes. I fire Matt Eberflus, I assume I have consigned Justin Fields to whatever fate that is, yep. if that makes sense. I like Fields. I might trade Fields because I like him, to be honest. Like, mm. where if I could get a second-round pick, if I could get a third-round pick plus another third-round pick in the future, like, at least I can say I got something in return to the owner while sending Fields to a place where he may actually get coached. Because like you're talking about, how do these slow starts keep happening? Whose fault is this? I don't know, right? But it's weird that here in the third year, we're exhibiting our rookie tendencies again until suddenly the light comes on in week four. But so, I'm going to go so and guess that you probably wouldn't trade Justin Fields, right? Well, it's going to depend. I wouldn't give him away for two thirds. I wouldn't give him away for a second. I just wouldn't. I mean, he just went for 335 and had a perfect game almost in four touchdowns. Yep. Like, like honestly... What if this is again not this perfect? I mean, I, I he did throw a pick and you know the fumble, but let's say he has five more games of over 300 yards passing this year, and he's a poor version of Justin Herbert, who has a terrible defense and he's throwing, and you still end up with some top picks. Do you still go quarterback? He'd have to sustain it for a while, right. Just because at this point, we went up against a solid Green Bay defense, and we struggled. And then we went up against a good Tampa Bay defense. We played our best not week four game. And then we went up against one of the better defenses on the schedule, the Chiefs, who I think everybody just assumes is not a very good defense because their offense is so good. How could their defense possibly be good? They're a very good defense, especially this year, man. Like, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but like Chet McDuffie, like some oh, of yeah. the players that have taken those second steps is like, well, and oh. Spagnuolo, what he's doing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So good. Mm. And we got smoked <laughs> mm -hmm. just as an offensive unit. This game rules. You got to do something similar against the commanders and the commanders are not going to make it easy. Like that defense can ball. And if we go out there and we get shut out, like I would argue, Nick, the doomsday clock. Was it 11.59 coming into the game? Do you know how the doomsday clock works? Am I, am no. I talking past you? No, so go like, ahead. So like envision a clock to midnight. And on midnight, doomsday happens, right? And okay. so doomsday, at, or if the doomsday is at 11.59, or if we're at DEFCON 2, so we're not at DEFCON 1 yet, right? We are on high, 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 high alert. And this yeah. is the best you can play in a game that you lose. I mean, literally, man. Like, this is as good as you could statistically play. 132 passer rating. But we yep. lost. We can't move up the doomsday clock, can we? That's a real question. Can you have more faith in fields after a game where we go cold at the wrong time? For, for a lot of very valid reasons. Like, the mm -hmm. offensive coordinator kind of took the juice out of the offense. We didn't throw that much. And we did go with anticipation right there at the end 
on a mismatch that we liked, yep. but the ball got picked. Who's to blame? How yep. do we know? <laughs> right? Like, like I to, to me, like I have more confidence in fields right now. I think every bears fan has more confidence in fields right now. Like, placement all that kind of stuff and that's the tough part and you're right is because if loose is out which if you look at the bears last year and this year the biggest problem is defense people talk Easy. about like what's justin field's record they were 32nd defense last year they're dog shit this year like the defense yeah. they may have bumped the broncos the problem they may finally be 31st and not 32nd just because the bears spoke to the broncos right defense yeah right today. yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're right though, because then if you, there's, there's a couple of things with this one is this is year three for fields. And so the, the, the rookie contract, right. If you want to reset that and get that cheap contract, but if you, if you decide to go rookie quarterback, I mean, Claypool's gone. Claypool's gone. Do you bring Mooney back? Like, Mooney's like you think gone. of all the guys that are gone. I mean, you're probably cleaning up a lot of. Guys, white hair's gone. Eddie you're Jackson's out a gone. Lot of lockers. Like, I would argue that you're you're going to try to fire sale a lot of people. Like, yeah. you're going to see what you can get for Eddie Jackson. I, all right, so Bears fans, I'm about to say some drastic stuff, and know that any player that I mention in this conversation, I have to like because if I don't like them, no other team will. <laughs> Just being so plain with you, is somebody swooping in offering a trade contract for Elijah Hicks? No, but they might for Eddie Jackson. And his yeah. value is limited because he's got an ankle issue. I'm going to call Miami tomorrow and say, hey, I got this corner. I bet you want him. And then if they return the call, I'm leaking that they did to Ian Rappaport so that Dallas calls me and ups the ante. And I can get the <laughs> two of them. I'm not even playing, man. <laughs> like, I know. Dallas got smoked by Josh Dobbs at just after losing Trayvon Diggs. You think they wouldn't consider getting into a bidding war over an objectively good corner in a contract year. Like who, who, by the way, yeah, he's not on the, I, I don't know. He's not on this. Like he wasn't on the field for this game, but if he was chances are, it turns out differently. And anybody knows that because he's good. And so I, I look at trading Deontay Foreman. I don't know why we haven't played him. Like I thought he was going to get cut. This is why he got replaced yep. immediately. Nick. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, and Ro Roshan didn't get a lot of yards today. His 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 efficiency was a lot worse. But I agree with you. I think like like if that's the case, well, Carolina gave up a two, a four, and a six for Sam Darnold. Right. If you can't get that for Justin Fields, and he again contract controlled for two more years, I would love it. I, I you're you're that's you're easily getting that. Like to me, if he, I would get a one. Or I would get, and that's the people that will like miss out on a top five quarterback now. Curious. You could get him, or you're including like Phillies four that they you, we got for um, trading down one pick, mm -hmm. the Jalen Carter trade, mm -hmm. and Fields, and then get like a one. You know what I mean? Like, so I know you aren't going to care about this. I'm Tampa. just going to guarantee you right now, sure. Nick, you yeah. are not going to care about this. But I always assume that NFL GMs are going to take whatever unfair verbal argument path leads them to the best value for whoever they're trading for. And Darnold had a year where he went seven and six. So if I tried to say, Darnold's a loser, he can't win games, right? You'd say, no, you're wrong. 
he had that 2019 season where he actually won more games than not. Pay me. Like, what is it? The mm-hmm. F you pay me meme? Right. With Fields, the record thing is going to start to kick in at some point because we do not win a lot of ball games. But also, I do think that people with a brain, lovingly speaking, are going to look back and say, well, okay, not all of these losses are like his fault. I mean, go back to 2019. I, I would argue that Mitch's entire career was built off the back of a defense where if he hung 14 on a team, that was a win more times than it should have been. Like, yeah, yeah. we're not even playing games here. <laughs> right, like, right. You won a lot of games. 17 to something, 20 to something. We scored 20. Man, that was a banner day. <laughs> that Bears yeah. offense. No, I agree. I agree. And, but we, and we all remember the Tampa game. Oh, uh, I thought that we were trending that way. Because, again, uh, like, these Bears receivers were so open. So open. Like, Fields was balling. In particular, that throw where he rolled to his left and hit DJ Moore as whichever corner was on him. I think it was Sertain at the time. Just, like, fell off him as if it yep. was this, like, cinematic moment. That ruled. That throw's not easy. There were a lot yep. of throws. Like, the throw down the sidelines to Moore. That was not e- The throw isn't easy. Also, he's wide open. And yep. I'm not going to ever take that away from him. I'm not. But I may mute my excitement just just a smidge, if that makes sense. Not mm-hmm. because it wasn't good, but because great looks a little different than, wow, that was really good and very easy to do. Like, because that's where you start to almost, I'm, I'm not about to tell you that I liked Getsy's game plan, even though it kind of ruled, because I'm still so mad about the first three weeks. Does that make I sense? Know. I know. And th- well, that's the thing is like, y- you fire him off of like a 471-yard explosion on offense or flu. So I, you have to wait till after Washington. I I just can't remember a quarterback, a, a team being bad and trading their quarterback and tanking. Oh, I'm like, pretty I, sure it's unprecedented. I can't remember it. I'm pretty sure it's unprecedented because normally you already know you're tanking. Normally you already signed Curtis Painter and put out all the media you'd need to, to yeah. just do it. Right. But mm. pl- this is, I just put up a YouTube thing about this. Everybody starts with the plan to make the playoffs. You're own four. Plans might change if you're own five. And I don't know who's going to change the plans. I don't know, Nick. I really don't. But that game against Minnesota in week six, that game against the Raiders in week seven. If, not that you should, if you come out of those games 0 and 7, you are in pole position, baby. You oh, are. Man. Well, like, you still might be with Carolina's pick either way. You might. Like, truly, this Carolina team, insofar as as long as they ride Bryce Young, they are doing Chicago a favor. Like, yeah. it is going to be different. The best part about it, man, man, Nick, you're about to get me rolling. Like, the hardest part about talking about Ryan Poles right now is that there are a bunch of signings that look objectively terrible. Like, uh, signings, trades, etc. Why did we trade for, or why did we sign Tremaine Edmonds after trading away a better linebacker in Roquan Smith? The, don't even go there. Let's just... Take that as if it's a face value statement that is absolutely sure. dead on, right? Well, yeah. you could argue that's a clear flu signing. Head coaches get a lot of sway in these things. Did we yeah. listen to the play caller series? Did we hear about how much say Kyle Shanahan has mm-hmm. involved in like which players they acquire? There's tons of this defense that if it doesn't work, you can point at Matt Eberflus and say, his fault, not mm-hmm. not the like, not our guy, and get away yep. with it. The Chase Claypool trade doesn't work. Whatever, move on. Bad picks or bad moves happen all the time. Nick, the only reason that we are where we are is twofold. Number one, because Ryan Poles didn't trade his first for Chris Jones. 
Like, he didn't make that move, whatever that looks like. And we kept all our draft assets. But number two, oh, man, and this is the part that would excite me the most if I was you. And I bet you already are. Ryan Poles created this Carolina problem. You know what I'm saying? Because they had a guy. They had a guy that was going to let them put together a pretty good offense for a rookie quarterback. And Ryan Poles took him away. Right? Like in trading for DJ Moore, you created this team that can't score. And they weren't yeah. going to have the opportunity to score. Yeah. They were going to keep well, pick 39, but they picked Jonathan Mingo because <laughs> there wasn't a great receiver in that slot. Like well, you and yeah, I mean that, that part of it's good, but like you like the other part that so so now we're kind of talking about polls, right? Like sure. I personally I like when polls speaks. I like a lot of the moves Agreed. that he made, but Justin Jones, Lucas Patrick, so far, Nate Davis, Edmonds, Edwards. You can go on the list to Claypool trade. If I was Ryan Poles, I would own the Chase Claypool trade, and I would blame every other one of those moves on my coordinators and head coach, and I think I could get away <laughs> with it. I, I could blanket statement say, Tanyan, Lucas Patrick, Mercedes Lewis, where do you think we got them all? George. Like, what yep. uniform did they all wear? That's Getsy. Yep. That ain't yeah, me. They're, they're, they're double agents. <laughs> like, I, as much as anything, I would just say, like, no, they they wanted those guys. They told me they would work. And what am I going to do? Say, no, run it my way. I'm the GM. I'm not on the coaching field. Right. And then all these linebackers that we signed, Matt thought it would work. <laughs> Matt thought he could get these guys gaming. That's not my fault. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. again, I'm, I'm not saying that you, fan, or you, Nick, has to agree, but I'm thinking if as Ryan pulls these kinds of games actually make me look better because the roster doesn't look like the problem. The coaching does right. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. the roster looked, say what you will, not like the worst team in football today. And no, I thought they were the better team outright, but they, well, here's another part with this too. talking about coaching the same thing. They got one sack. We all saw the sack. They got one sack, and they had, I think, four QB hits. On Wilson, who scrambles around a lot and draws a lot of pressures himself. Like a maniac. Like, like, like that's so... Even with trying to blitz, like, you can't generate any pressure. Like, come on. There, there's a schematic issue here. Oh, yeah. But that's a known. <laughs> I, that's so bad that it's known. And I'll tell you... To me, so I'm not proud of this, Nick. I'm not proud of this at all. But the Bears were up 28 to 7. And I had this epiphany. Actually, it was more like a nightmare. And I will never look you in the eyes and tell you I'm glad that things turned out the way they did. But I got really scared up 28 to 7 because I said, on one hand, this could be the game that Justin Fields turns it around. He looks mm -hmm. like he's bawling. But this is the Bears. Bad things happen to us. This could be yeah. the game that catalyzes going 5-12 and 12 and the draft picks dropping because of the time Carolina was winning too. And we end up picking it like 4-7, and seven, maybe 8. And Justin Fields stays the quarterback because what are we going to do? Draft QB3? Like if Shadur, if Shadur Sanders goes back, we're looking at J.J. McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, whoever is QB3. We'll probably not like that as much as we like Justin Fields. So then we draft a left tackle. Olu, Oshan, or Olu Fashanu, and we draft Jared Verse with, what is this, four and seven. I could just yeah. see it. 
right? Yeah. Because we'll say to ourselves, well, okay, come on, a blue chip tackle. It's a bummer that we didn't get Marvin Harrison, but like, how do we pass on this? And then going down a little in the order, sweet, we get an edge rusher. Why would we take QB4? Because QB3 is gone at that point. Um, and instead, let's take this. Fields plays year four, looks solid doing it with a brand new staff, and we are the Giants. Like, to a T. Because he's going to get extended at that point. I don't think the new org with a brand new head coach would pick up his fifth year option. And I hope that Justin Fields would surpass Daniel Jones. But to me, when you watch Giants games, Jones isn't the issue right now, at no. the very least. It's no, but just- you're, but you're, you're Darnell writing or um, the, the tackle for Penn State. I can't say his whole name. You're going to, you're going to Evan Neal, one of them. Come on. Don't do that, Robert. I hope not. I mean, so I hope bad. you get two sick bookends plus yeah. DJ Moore. Like that that plan could work. It really could work. It wouldn't be exactly the Giants, but like there's not a lot of easy ways for the Bears to climb out of this. But bottoming out makes a lot of sense. Like, because you should theoretically have your pick of the litter of head coaches because the draft assets and the cap assets that you have are so strong. And man, Nick, I mean, gosh, I know. I know everybody would take a Jamar Chase, right? But if I gave you the opportunity to have T. Higgins and Tristan Wirfs to start your offense with, man, that's rock solid, isn't it? Because yep. Yep. Tackle, tackle is such a boring position to draft. I love offensive line. Like, you have to. You have to build through the trenches. But, like, nobody likes drafting offensive line because nearly any time you're going to draft the offensive lineman, right? Like, there's a, there's a cooler player on the board. Like it could be Darnell Wright or it could be JSN. Everybody just gets super excited about whatever the wide receiver option is. Following me so well, far? Well, no, and I think part of it is um it, it depends on what your what your base level is with Braxton Jones already there, you know? So here's so if we're gonna go down this dream scenario, right? Sure. Let me go down, let me go down further with you. Go okay? down further. So so this is this is this is we make the quarterback change. Okay. When? And we and we go with Caleb. And we trade fields, okay, which Caleb, is sad. I thought you were about to say Bajan. And I was like, listen, no, listen no, 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 But, but all that's dependent on the head coach, right? Right. Okay. A couple years ago, there's a quarterback that transfers here. He gets recruited and goes to his school. The coach leaves. Quarterback follows. Now, if that coach comes to Chicago... And he gets his quarterback. What if Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are just, they are a pair. What do you think about Riley? Give me your thoughts on Riley. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. He, he is so creative with the things that he does schematically that, I mean, I know people are excited about like Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson can do with, and this is not disrespectful. What he can do with Jared Goff, who Jared Goff is a Mm -hmm. limited quarterback. He's, he's, Man, this is going to sound disrespectful. It's just not. It, he's Brock <laughs> Purdy-ish, where they're like they have a limited physical gifts, but they are good with anticipation and they're accurate and they right. throw to the middle of the field well. Like that's what they do. They can't do everything, right? But if you give a guy like that, it doesn't matter if it's Ben Johnson or Lincoln Riley. But if you give those guys a Caleb Williams type who is like can do everything and is creative, and you have another top pick, that's the one thing that gets me excited. It breaks yep. my heart for this guy. Justin Fields, I have, I, I love him, but if it you sucks can, for him. but if you can get Lincoln Riley, think of that. That's a name I haven't heard anyone say, but what if they're, you're like, okay, I'm going to take a shot in the NFL. 
man, you're telling me I can get this quarterback that I've known for years and I've developed. I'll tell you my favorite part about looking into the future is that if the bears bought, okay. So nightmare scenario, even worse than the one I said earlier is that the bears win just enough games to where Justin Fields saves his job and flooses. And we just pin it all on Getsy and we act like everything's fine. And we, the a new offensive coordinator comes in. It's obviously not like a lateral move. So you're not going to get like a Shane Waldron. You're not going to get a Kellen Moore. You're not going to get any of these fun, cool names. You're just going to get some other guy. right? <laughs> and so he comes in, nothing changes. Everything's bad. That's the like true nightmare scenario. The good news is, is that if the bears do bottom out, I don't want to make anybody cheer against the team, but it's a hard hire to screw up because, and I understand those are bad words in Chicago because we somehow found the only offensive guru that wasn't, wasn't really good in Matt Nagy. But you look at the names that I've seen. I've seen four major names. Okay. I've seen Lincoln Riley. He's like third on this list, but I'm just going down top to bottom. Okay. I've seen Kellen Moore. That's fine. Like pass heavy uses everything within the scheme that the chargers can bring to maximize the passing attack and weaponize all the gifts that Herbert has. Ben Johnson, certainly not bad. Plenty, like, oh, we've only got one staff because where Kellen Moore has two jobs, uh, right. like Ben Johnson is under well, an offensive head coach. So how much is Campbell? How much but is But we've also seen Kellen Moore ball out in college. Like, exactly. I was a fan of him at Boise State. Right, exactly. Like, with Moore, you don't know if he's, with any of these guys, you don't know that they're going to, like, be that head coach leader, but you hope so. Like, if they're going to be the hire, you hope that they impress in interviews. And then Shane Waldron who's a Shanahan acolyte. I think technically he's a McVay acolyte who is Loki ballin with what they've got going on in Seattle. So any of those four names are fine by me. Like, especially the more we do this, Nick, cause you've, you've seen more head coaching higher cycles than I have, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, and oh. every time we do this, it really dawns on me that I don't know what the recipe is because I don't get to talk to these guys. Well, well, let's let's talk about that quickly. Go for it. Here's here's why the recipe is harder than people think. You're good at, and this is at any job. You're good at job A. You're good at okay? sales, whatever. Right, you sell sales like a maniac. Sales. Yep. Yeah. 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 You're. I can put Robert anywhere, and he can sell sell it all. Bananas to whatever. Mm-hmm. That's something something that's like bananas. A terrible example. Doesn't matter. Sure. But now you have to be a manager of salespeople. Now you don't sell. Very different kind of job. And that's why people get this wrong. They're like, man, he was a great coordinator. They're always coordinators almost every time. Right. Why can't they be great as a head coach? Because it's a different job. That's why Dan Quinn is a great defensive coordinator, but not a great right. head coach, even though he went to the, uh, the Super Bowl and lost. That's where it's not a hire that you and I would, that I think either you and I are going to champion. But if the Bears did go in the, in the direction of the guy whose name starts with H and it ends with Arbaugh, uh, I would get it. Just because that's one of the few people where you can actually vouch for their management, where you can say, this is a manager. I don't know what his schemes are going to be. This is a manager. Nick, why do you and I get so, just to make sure we put this out there and explain it. Why do you and I get so excited about coordinators? Because we can't guarantee what scheme the Bears are going to try to run. But through somebody's scheme, you can get a sense for how they think and whether Mm -hmm. they're caught up with the rest of football itself. and. College, in many cases, is the ultimate football laboratory, as I have come to learn it. Like, oh, yeah. 
That yeah. is where you have three years to incubate your scheme with these players. Red shirt year, freshman year, sophomore year, most of these guys are on the bench. So then junior year, they come in, they've had three years of reps in whatever system you're running, and you can just run some crazy, complex stuff with yep. all kinds of reads and all kinds mm-hmm. of calls. And in the pros, you don't get to do that because you've got to install this defense over an offseason or offseason mm-hmm. or, or your offense in, in the course of an offseason. And if it doesn't work immediately, it doesn't work. Like, well, and... And, and I mean, I would say even high school too. in high school and college, you can be very creative with what you run totally. schematically because you have more room for error. There's more separation. There's more space. They're, they're right. worse athletes than the NFL. NFL, you can't. It's more you have to you have to do it or you're going to get fired. And what I heard about high school and the only reason high school didn't make it into this is because sometimes in high school, the scheme ultimately just revolves. Every coach would tell you that they will adapt their scheme to their talent. It's no okay. more blatant in high school than when if you've got a Justin Fields. It does not matter what you think about him. That kid is playing quarterback for you because he will run around everybody. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. you're oh, quarter- I've seen it. I've, seen, sure I've, I've, been, I've been annoyed. I'd be like, all they have is one good player. We, you can't stop the one player. Like, that's all they have. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Like, yeah, just, just stop him. Nope. And in college, that doesn't happen as often. Where like Baylor, Baylor will get steamrolled by Texas University, but it's because their line is really strong. Quinn Ewers is really good. Xavier Worthy really rules. But it's not as, again, it's not as like extreme as you see it in high no. school, what I've seen, where somebody will take a dump off pass five yards behind the line of scrimmage, break seven tackles, and end up in the end zone. Well, well, I here's a fun story. So I've I've coached um one player in the NFL, which is cool. And I faced guys that are, you know, gonna be in the NFL right. this day in terms of high school and college as well. But in high school, I'll remember this. So, so Alex Erickson is, is the kid that, um, again, I had a really small part in his life. I'm, I'm really proud of him. He's a nice kid. He's, he's done well. And he's, uh, with the chargers now. Awesome. But, I, but I'll never forget this. <laughs> he was a, a quarterback DB and he was returning punts. And there was this punt that just like gets sailed and like bouncing around. It's like near the sideline and I'm on the headset upstairs. I'm like, I'm like, don't pick that up. And when the other coach like, well, let's just see what he does with it. Juke, 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 boom, down the sideline touchdown. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> he can do things other guys can't do. So that's exactly what right. you're talking about. And so my thought is, when it comes to these circling all the way back, when it comes to these head coaching hire, if you ever wonder, well, why do they like Shane Waldron versus Jim Harbaugh? Or I don't know, whatever name we're talking about at the time. Why do we like Lincoln Riley, but not this, that, or this or that guy? To me, it comes down to, you look at Sean McVay, you look at Kyle Shanahan, you look at Matt LaFleur, you look at Mike McDaniel. Uh, I'm sure we could think of another name, but I don't really have the patience to do it right now. And you can see the way that they think. Sean McVay isn't married to this McVay scheme. Take a look at what he's running with Stafford. Then take a look at what he's running with or what he ran with Goff. Tell me they're the same. They aren't. And you see somebody who really is molding everything he does around his players. In two simple words, Nick. He gets it. And so I want a head coach that gets it and is able to bring a staff that lets them teach what they want to teach without the restrictions that the uh, that the old world used to like that the old world used to impose. Let me use an example. I will always wonder how Matt Nagy would have been able to do in Chicago had he been hired when that rule came into existence that offensive coordinator became a promotion from assistant head coach. Yeah. Like, had Matt Nagy been hired where he could have poached Mike Kafka, 
And there was nothing yep. that Andy Reid could have done about it. Would yep. things have changed? I don't know. But if you're telling well, me that Mark Helfrich was his first choice at offensive coordinator, yeah, I know. I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and that's the one thing that's interesting, too, is, is I can't remember what who I listened to from The Athletic, but they talked about how um, pe- people that come over. So Nagy's one of them. A few other people, like their first head coaching job coming over as a coordinator, they run basically the same scheme because it's what they know. And then over the years, they can slowly start implementing different layers or formations or plays off of it because when you get hired you really don't have a ton of time because you have you get hired there's free agency there's the draft then then there's rookie mini camp there's mini camp and then there's going to be training camp and like a month or two later like you can't be completely diverse like you can't be like hey we're a zone heavy scheme for mcveigh and all of a sudden i'm running gap this you know like like whoever else runs gap schemes like like you're probably not going to be that different and also they joked they said sometimes they have the same verbiage they call the right. formation the same the motions the same the place because they don't have enough time and it's kind of what you know so i agree with you like it's going to be tough because that's why i like like a lincoln riley you're getting a guy that's going to come in that he can poach his guys and what he's going to get called like you won't have the same i think scouting report on someone like him as you would for like nfl type guys and usually, emphasis on usually for crying out loud, Nick, when you bring in your guys, like usually the verbiage is clean. Like normally you don't end up with this Alan Williams thing, I guess is what I'm really right. trying to say. Where, right. sure, everything's surrounding the Bears right now. I mean, like, let's just be really real about it, Nick. Everything surrounding the Bears right now is overwhelmingly negative. Like if it's not turning toxic, it's yeah. because it's already toxic. Right. And, and, and Claypool was just the start of that. It's like, oh, they all oh, Claypool. Like, like, like everyone, like, you know, pitchforks and coming out. It's like, and I mean, have you seen that like meme about the iceberg? You know what I'm talking about? Where like oh, yeah. the iceberg is a tiny little ice cap that looks tiny on the surface. And then they show you what's below the water. And it's like this massive, massive piece of ice. Right. Like I imagine when it comes, I've, I've always assumed for anybody who ever considers the two of us reactionary, when we talk about wide receivers clapping at you, when we talk about uh, the body language, when we talk about players quitting in game number one and game number three of your season, we're saying these are big deals because they're tiny little stupid actions, but they're usually evidence of the iceberg, right? <laughs> like that there's mm-hmm. bigger problems because when it's one guy who's just going bananas on the sidelines, nobody really worries about it. When it's a little bit of everybody, like your whole wide receiver room isn't a big bunch of locker room cancers, but they might all hate Chase Claypool and Chase Claypool might be setting them all off, maybe. Or Chase Claypool's eating a bullet that wasn't really meant for him. But I again, I don't know why EQ and Claypool can't be active at the same time, apparently. <laughs> The Bears thought that that was just a must. There's there's a height there's a height barrier. You can only have so many tall receivers. The rest you have to have short. Clearly, because that one jet sweep we did for Velas, that ooh, that really turned the game on its head. But, like, yeah, my God. and he's and he's and he's but he's the kick returner. And then we have to have one guy active that's just the punt returner. And right, you gotta you know. Right, that's it. Yeah, like, I mean you don't see this with other teams. Other teams figure it out. Just do this, and then boom. You the, know, like they utilize their talent. The Cardinals aren't like winning, winning right now but i would like to point out that as of recording this the afternoon or like in the afternoon 
the Cardinals are have the ball. They are down 10 to 21 against the 49ers. 49ers are a tough team. Dallas, have you checked the scores recently, Nick? Yeah, yeah, I got them up right now. So then you see that Dallas is blowing out the Patriots in Dallas, 3 to 28. But that Cardinals team beat that Dallas team. Because say what you will, the NFL's wonky, and when you're a competitive organization, anything can happen. But right now, feels like the Bears are finding new nuanced and creative ways to end up on the losing side every contest they play in. And eventually that'll change. Eventually that'll change. It has to. Eventually. It but has we, to. We, yeah, but we, we got a game here in like, you know, four days. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll know soon. I mean, I mean, cause that's a, that's a big game. You can't go on five. I mean, this one was a big game. The chiefs game was. was only not a big game because it was the chiefs, right? right. Like right. we're in that moment where we, you and I, what, what do you say? We probably stopped saying this after Owen five. Because if yeah. zero and five does happen, well, we could definitely say you can't go zero and six, but you couldn't go zero and five or zero and four either, right? Right. I mean, honestly, like it doesn't matter. Like if you go zero and five, it's completely done. And I don't know what's going to happen there, if only because at that point, Nick, if the Bears go zero and five, like you got a mini buy too. So yeah. if you wanted to implement a little more wholesale change, you could try. Oh, that's when it's happening. That's when what's happening. Uh, someone's going to get fired after all one five. Yes. I'm saying make your prediction. Now, do you think that, so I've got three options for you. Okay. Okay. Cause I think that there's three primary methods to assign blame. You could pin it on the quarterback. You could say, even when he's good, he's, he's not clutch and that's just not enough. And my guy Tyson, he's nails. You should have, he should have been there. I don't know. You go that route, but the main reason I even bring it up, like that would be benching Justin Fields. And the only reason that would even consider happening is because every time Luke gets, he talks for some reason, he comes straight out and says, Oh yeah, there's a player. So it wasn't me like every other coach. It it sounds like Zach Wilson. Remember Zach Wilson? Oh no, I'm not the problem with last year with this defense. Remember that one of the best pull quotes ever. Like, Hey, do you feel, uh, do you feel bad at all? Like, or no, what was it? It was, do you feel like you you let let your defense down down or something like that? No, But I mean, so. a, a, as a leader, you know, you take blame and you give out praise. That's how it works. Take blame, give out praise, and assume that your teammates are going to do exactly the same thing. And yep. the moment that somebody doesn't, and to be fair, none of them have. Like, Matt Eberflus didn't say, hey, that's on me. I got outcoached, and I need to mm-hmm. coach better. Nope. He said, you know, I thought we came in with a good game plan. We just didn't execute it. That's how you blame the players. And then Luke Getze said, yeah, you know, we left seven or eight explosive plays on the field against Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge number, Nick. Saying we left seven or eight explosive plays on the field is like saying my guys all have two left feet. and None of them can dance. I did did not see I did not see seven or eight plays left out there. Maybe if you count extreme garbage time when the game was already out of hand. Come on. Anyways, maybe he met, maybe he met his play calls. He messed up seven or eight play calls and it would have been explosive. Maybe, but I would have believed that one. That's not how he said it. And so then whatever the beat asks, uh, Fluce about this after the game or like after Luke's presser, Fluce pretty much goes, yeah, I agree with him. And so with Fluce and Getsy not distancing themselves from each other at all, I sit here and I'm like, well, you can't really blame the quarterback. You're going to really struggle to blame the quarterback 
after a game like this or even a week removed from a game like this. And you're totally right. We got to wrap this up. But so what do you think happens? Gets his last day in Chicago week five. I, so I would love with, with a new president and a GM that hasn't done this before. That would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you get rid of even if you get rid of both of them, because you have to think about who can run the team. That's the other part. Yeah, Richard defensive coordinator. I almost wonder if they, they can hire someone to be an interim like a long time. And then, then you know, like someone's going to run the offense, probably quarterback coach, someone who can run the defense. But like the defense is the problem, right. the bigger problem. And we already know the offense is not run great, but the defense is the biggest problem. So you have to, Flewis, I think, is the one. So in my mind, you go 0-1-5, my prediction, Ibra Flewis is gone. I would love it. It's never happened. It's never even gotten close to happening in Chicago. And I don't think that they go into Minnesota because I think the next game's at Minnesota as favorites at all. I'll check. Nor should they deserve it. My guess would be that they fire Luke Getze or the more controversial pick that nothing happens at all, Nick, and that everybody ends up mad for days and that nothing changes and they try out a new offense against Minnesota. Maybe it's successful. This team is actually more talented than they've shown. It's really, yep. really driving me nuts. Like every time yep. they're competitive, I'm like, this is the Bears team I thought we'd see. Yep. But then they just fall apart. But all that to say, Nick, let's wrap up here. What are your final thoughts on this one? Um, I'm proud of Justin Fields and the offense. Um, I, I know like they kind of got in their way some penalties and didn't finish out the second half how they wanted to, but they put themselves in position to be successful on plays and drives. Mm -hmm. And even on that fumble, one of my favorite things about that fumble, which sounds terrible to say that we got returned for a touchdown, Justin Fields was sprinting to catch him at the end. That's a guy I want on my team. I am incredibly disappointed with the defense, lack of tackling, lack of hustle, in my opinion, and Flus, I'm done. Oh, I'm done. I mean, in a word to me, this is bears a given. Like this is yeah. this is the end times because you can't go own for after having just gotten the first round or first overall pick last season, especially with a talent like Caleb Williams. You could even say Drake May. And and I'd be there going, okay. Yeah, that's a sweet talent, like looming over your team's shoulder. Cause that stuff casts a shadow, man. Like once the fans start saying it, it becomes real, you yep. know, and it, no matter what, the moment you realize that a section of your, of your stadium is cheering because you went three and out like halfway through the season, like you got issues and that is yeah. some toxic stuff. Toxic's yep. the name of the game right now. And mm. I don't know how the bears pull themselves out of the funk. I'm actually still in disbelief. If you can believe me nearly two hours removed from the game, Nick. I can't believe they actually lost it. I know. Like, I know. I thought it was going to be much less competitive and that the Bears were, like, I did not expect the Bears offense to swing as hard as they did. Boy, did they. They looked awesome for three quarters. I can't believe the wheels fell off like they did. I mean, yeah. felt like an older brother took over the controller for the Denver Broncos and that like reset the settings to easy <laughs> on, or on Chicago. So All Madden just, now. Right? Like ridiculous, ridiculous. 
but we lived it. It actually happened. And I know. it can work out for the better for Chicago, but that's hard to say. It's easy to say, and it's hard to like think and feel. Like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, it does suck. It's the longest losing streak. I, I hope this wrote Flusa's pink slip and that the ink is drying. I really do. Because yeah. I don't think that there's any rationale that Flus is the leader this team needs. Quarterback, you can have that conversation. Today was sick. Like, offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, I don't know why you'd have this conversation, but I guess you could have it if you really wanted to. But the defense is the biggest problem. I think that's unacceptable. And yep. you could even make the argument that with Alan Williams recusing himself so early, Flus has less excuses to hide exactly. behind at this yep. stage. Yeah, because like... That was the conversation, right? He he didn't have a, a lot of talent with the Colts, but he still pulled it off. And now you're like, maybe it was the talent with the Colts that pulled it off, but it wasn't him. Right. But either way, Bears fans, we will be with you a little earlier than usual. What are we going to try yep. to aim for? A Wednesday release? Yes. That yep. sounds right to me. So uh, we'll figure out some way to record right before All 20 Tuesday uh, so that we can get you guys a brand new episode of the Bear With Us podcast as we head into, I mean, Nick. The game. If this wasn't the game, this next one is the game. And yeah. it'll be a big game for Washington, too. Like, it should be a standard case of sloppy Thursday night football, and hopefully the Bears slop their way to the right side of the win column and don't leave us breaking out draft reports <laughs> by week nine. Well, Carolina keep losing, and, and Fields looks great, and they figure it out. I don't care either way. Right now, Carolina's as good a bet as any. Like yes. the, I think it was ESPN gave uh fields and or what not fields gave the bears organization 50% odds at picks one <laughs> or two last week with this win. I have to imagine that those odds went up in a big way because both yeah. of the two like law or winless teams playing each other was a massive leverage point, but we've talked yep. enough, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Do be, or do be sure to give us a review wherever you can. We love y'all so much. Let us know what's working, what's not working about the show, and we will see you next time. Bear down. Oh, Nick, tell us tell us what you got working on. What you working yeah, yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, So uh, at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter, if you want to interact, um, I'll be doing another Justin Fields video um, likely oh, tomorrow. We're recording Sunday. Um, I'm sure JT O'Sullivan's going to get one out there. So I, I got some good reviews last week. So please check me out, even if you do check out JT O'Sullivan. Awesome. And then I will be with you on All 20 Tuesday as usual. I'll see what I can pump out. I don't know what drive I'll break down. There's there's a lot of scoring drives in this one, but we'll a lot find of one too. Uh, and until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thank you so much for bearing with us.